This Student Ministry 127 podcast is a sermon preached at the 2012 West Coast Baptist Youth Conference by Brother Larry Chapel. Larry Chapel serves as the senior high youth pastor at Lancaster Baptist Church and as a graduate of West Coast Baptist College. For more sermon resources, please visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. You know, everyone pursues something. Some people pursue success. Some people pursue the approval of their friends. Some people, they pursue happiness all the time. You know, uh, it's just what is the next fun thing I can do? Everyone pursues something. Some people pursue fame. This past year, over 20,000, 25,000 uh, teenage girls uh, applied for the, the show 16 and Pregnant, the MTV show. And just a glimpse of the state of our society today. And everyone pursues something. Some pursue recognition and celebrity status. Some pursue wealth. Uh, some pursue careers and scholarships. And while all pursuits are not wrong, there is no pursuit more important in your life than pursuing God's presence in your life. This morning we're going to talk about Hezekiah because Hezekiah pursued God's blessing. And, and presence. Other than David and Solomon, there's, there's no king that had more written about them than Hezekiah. He came to the throne at an early age, the age of 25, and like most kings, he was the son of a king. But his, his, his dad, his dad who was the king, named Ahaz, was a wicked man. And he did terrible things in Israel. And he reigned uh, for 16 years in Jerusalem. Ahaz did. Second Chronicles 28.1 uh, sums up his reign. It says, but he did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord. There's a few places in scripture where you can read about Hezekiah and you can read about the account of him coming and assuming the throne and the changes that he made uh, once in, uh, in Second Kings and then what we'll read here in Second Chronicles. But Israel was a mess and mostly due to one man Ahaz, Hezekiah's dad, he did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord. I'd like to begin, out by, begin by pointing out this morning the tragedy of Israel. The tragedy of Israel. To understand what Hezekiah did, you have to understand a little bit of the background about how bad things were. Now Israel, uh, just politically, economically, this was a very bad time for Israel. Uh, we see here on this map, Israel was divided. There was Israel and there was Judah. They were a nation divided. Y if you study the history of Israel, uh, they had a constant problem with idolatry. And, and eventually there was an Assyrian captivity. They were surrounded by their enemies. Even till this day, you turn on the news and just about every week you can hear about Israel and the, the enemies, Iran, just to the right, that surround them. And, and Israel was in a very bad shape. Uh, politically, economically, uh, and just the fact that they were divided and surrounded by their enemies, things were looking very bad for Israel. But their problems were much deeper than that, for they were a spiritual problem. Their problem, first of all, was that Israel had rejected God. God was rejected. God was rejected. You see, Ahaz, Hezekiah's dad, had closed down the temple. There were some kings that lived for God and some who didn't. And Ahaz was one of those who rejected God. 
He rejected God and he closed down the temple. Verse number seven of this passage says, and they have shut up the doors of the porch and put out the lance and not burnt incense or burnt offerings in the holy place unto the Lord. So here's the tragedy of Israel. First of all, that God was rejected. God was rejected. God was kicked out of the country. He was rejected. This was God's house. The temple that God was kicked out, the doors that were closed to the temple, this was God's house. You see, God wants to be with us. God pursues a relationship with us. That's why God sent his son on the cross to die for us. When we talked this morning about the pursuit of God, it's not like God is hiding from us. And it's not like God's will is hidden from us, like an Easter egg hunt. And some people find it and some people don't. God pursues us. God wants to be with us. And God's house, the Bible calls it his habitation, where God came to dwell with the people of Israel, the temple was shut down. That was a bold statement to God. They rejected his presence. God would come and dwell with them and he would come to the temple and Ahaz became king and says, God, we don't want you. We reject you. We close the temple. Don't come in. Don't come back. You're not welcome here. Unfortunately, there's many parallels in this passage between Israel and the current state of America and the current state of society because we have rejected God. God is no longer welcome in your schools. God is no longer uh, welcome in your neighborhood or at your workplace. America has kicked out God. And, And people today aren't comfortable, if you haven't noticed, with the God of the Bible. Our society wants a different God. In fact, they'll take any other God but the God of the Bible. And they've kicked out God and they've redefined God. There was a survey done among 3,000 high school students and they asked them, what kind of God do you want? And their response was this, we want a God who watches over human life. We We want a God that wants to be good and nice. The central goal in life and God must support that is, is to be happy and to feel good about oneself. Listen, God is not Santa Claus. The goal of God is not just to make you happy and feel good all the time. They said, uh, good people go to heaven. They said, and God, listen to this. This is the saddest statement read in this survey among 3,000 high school students that God does not need to particular be, particularly be involved in someone's life except when there's a problem. Let's call God when, when, when somebody dies or when, when something goes wrong. Uh, but other than that, God, stay out of our business. This is the type of God that our society wants. The guy that wrote the summary of the survey said that most teens today want something like a combination of a divine butler and a cosmic therapist, always on call to take care of any problems, uh, but not too personally involved in the process. Guys, let me tell you this. God wants to be involved in your life. God pursues you. God loves you. God cares about you. And God knows what's best. And God wants to be a part of your life. Not just when problems arise, but so that you can follow his path and experience his blessings. And Ahaz kicked God out of the country. 
said, you're not welcome here. The tragedy of Israel was that they rejected God. How tragic personally for someone to reject God. God was rejected. Not only was God rejected, God was replaced. God was replaced. Most of the time when God's rejected, he gets replaced with something. Might be a a boat or a relationship or something, but usually when God is rejected, God is very shortly after replaced. So Ahaz Ahaz says, God, we don't want you. We reject you. And then uh, God was replaced. Chronicles 28, 2 Chronicles 28, just the passage before, verse number 2 says, They made also molten images for Balaam. And it said of Ahaz that he sacrificed also and burnt incense in, in the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. You see, everybody worships. The question is not, will you worship, but what is the object of your worship? And Ahaz still worshipped. In fact, he worshipped frequently and all over the place, the Bible says. But he did not want to worship God because that was not compatible with his sinful lifestyle. And so he rejected God because it didn't fit his lifestyle. And he replaced God with another God that was more compatible with his sin. And so God was rejected and then God was replaced. We serve a jealous God, the Bible says. God desires our full attention. The Bible says in Isaiah 42, who lived during the time of Hezekiah, a prophet of the Lord said, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another. God doesn't want to be just another God on the shelf, a bumper sticker posted on the inside of your locker while you're, while you're uh, willfully sinning and pursuing other gods. God wants to be the sole God of your life, the singular God of your life. He's jealous. He wants our attention. And so God was replaced, and they replaced him with Baal. Now, Baal, Baal worship was a constant problem uh, for Israel. Time and time again, uh, you, you remember... Um, Elijah and the, the 450 prophets and the big showdown with the God of Baal. And, and, and the question was asked this day, choose you this day, this day who you will serve. And, and so Israel had a problem with Baal. Here's a statue that they found uh, uh, in, in Israel. This is a Can- Baal was a Canaanite god. Uh, the word Baal means owner. He was the god of the weather, which was so funny when he couldn't bring down rain. And he looks kind of retarded, actually, with the... The dunce cap, the bowling pin uh, helmet there. But, but listen, Israel became infatuated with the God of Baal. Ahaz worshipped Baal. They made graven images just like this. And they worshipped Baal. So God was rejected. And then God was replaced. Some of you have experienced this in your life. Some of you go to public school. Uh, they've rejected God and then we've replaced Him. You know, God couldn't have created through the world, so the world just came into existence through a cosmic explosion. They've replaced the truth with the lie. And so God was rejected, then God was replaced. And when that happens, evil becomes acceptable. Because there is no moral law. There, There's no uh, uh, morality when you remove God from society. 
Second Chronicles 28.3, just the chapter previous, tells us about how bad it got. It said Ahaz, moreover, he burnt incense in, in the valley of the son of Hinnon and burnt his children in the fire after the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. This is how bad society had gotten. Ahaz comes to the throne. He kicks God out. He rejects God. He replaces God with his own God that's more comfortable with his lifestyle of sin. And whenever that happens, society is worsened. The Bible says that righteousness exalteth a nation. And when they kicked God out, bad things started happening and evil became acceptable. Listen, when you kick God out of your life, you'll begin doing things that you never said you would do because there's no moral compass without God. There's no moral law without God. And when you, when you kick God out and you replace God, soon evil becomes acceptable. I, I, this has happened in our nation. I think of uh, the uh, uh, of the, the, the sacrifice here that took place in Israel. When we were in Israel a few years ago, we, we saw this Canaanite altar. And upon this altar that still stands to this day, you can go visit this place in Israel. This was an altar dedicated to the sacrificing of children. This is how bad society had gotten. Uh, Ahaz sacrificed his own children, the Bible said. We're going to study Hezekiah in just a second. Hezekiah's brothers and sisters would have been killed, would have been burnt as an offering to Baal on an altar just like this. Evil became acceptable and people were okay with this. The same has happened in our country. I think of the 3,700 babies every day that are altered, not on the altar of Baal, but on the altar of convenience. Over 50 million babies have been killed. You take God out of the country and you start doing things that you never would have done, that would have never been acceptable, but when you remove God, uh, evil abounds. And that's exactly what happened in this passage. The Bible says in Isaiah 5.20, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. And that's exactly what happened in this, in this society. Everything reversed. What once was wrong is now okay. What was okay is now wrong. And many of the people today, they don't believe in God because it's not compatible with their interests. So they, they reject Him or they redefine God and they call evil good and good evil. I, I read a prayer of an, an elderly preacher who wrote this recently. He said, uh, we have explored, this is the state of America today, we have explored the, uh, exploited the poor and called it the lottery. We have rewarded laziness and called it welfare. We have killed our unborn and called it a choice. We have shot abortionists and called it justifiable. We have neglected to discipline our children and we call it building self-esteem. We have abused power and call it politics. We have coveted our neighbor's possession and call it ambition. We have polluted the air with profanity and pornography and call it freedom of expression. We have re ridiculed the time-honored values of our forefathers and called it enlightenment. Let me tell you guys, our nation's in bad shape. We've totally kicked God out and everything's reversed. What once was bad is now okay. And so... Ahaz creates this incredible problem. Now, now you said, Brother Chapel, when we started, you, you, the first word you said was Hezekiah. We're going to talk about Hezekiah. We're going to get there in just a second. But before we talk about Hezekiah, I want to accurately paint the mess that Hezekiah 
had inherited. Because let me tell you, you and I have inherited a mess today. And so Hezekiah, he becomes king. And honestly, the best thing that happened to Ahaz was that he died, that he went away and he was no longer there. And now Hezekiah becomes king. And we'll see in a minute that Hezekiah did take a stand for Christ. And he could have said, uh, this isn't my mess. I didn't do this. Or he could have said, it's just easier to follow the footsteps of my father. That's what everyone expects from me. But in verse 11, uh, he, he got up and he said, my sons, speaking to the children of Israel, my sons, and he, and he said this phrase, be not now negligent, for the Lord hath chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, that you should minister unto him and burn incense. So Hezekiah comes to the throne and he's going to make a changes, going to make a few changes, but he starts by saying, don't be negligent. We've talked for the past few minutes about the tragedy of society. And some of you have yawned and asked, how does this affect me? I don't care. I think my life is good. Here, Hezekiah stands and says, don't be negligent. The definition of negligence is this. Failure to take proper care in doing something that you're supposed to do. I read the story on January 10th of an eight-year-old boy named Willie Robinson. Some of you may have heard the story. In March of 2008, Willie Robinson suddenly collapsed in his Cleveland home. Uh, His parents and everybody knew that there was something wrong, but they refused to take him to the hospital. They let this go on for weeks, months, and eventually years. uh, And he got sicker and sicker. And and he complained and he begged to be taken uh, to the hospital. And his parents, they didn't take him. And a short time later... Uh, Willie Robinson died. When they did the autopsy, they found out that he had Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer. It was an easily treatable cancer. Uh, if he would have done the therapy, if he, if he would have uh, treated it, he had a 95% chance of survival. He would have survived, except for his parents didn't take him in. When, when the police questioned, why didn't you take your son in? Uh, the parents said that the copay was too much money. Their copay for their doctor was $150 and they said it was too much money. So they gave him some over-the-counter medicines and they never took him in to see a doctor. Uh, when the, the police decided to charge the, the parents criminally, they started to do discovery and investigation and they found out that while they would not take their son to the doctor because they said it cost too much money, $150, the same year they took their pit bull to the vet and got him treated for fleas for the same price. You, so, you see how messed up our society is. And this January, uh, his parents were rightfully charged with manslaughter and this, negligence. They had a moral duty. There was something that they were supposed to do as a parent. You're supposed to take care of your child. And they didn't do that. They were negligent. And their son died in, because of it. And, and they're sitting in prison today, rightfully so, because of their negligence. When you're supposed to do something And you don't do it. So Hezekiah comes to the children of Israel and says, don't be negligent. He says, take a stand for God. And as Hezekiah stood, Scripture commands us today to not be negligent. Listen, we have inherited a mess. Society is in a wreck. And let me just be honest with you. You and I really didn't even do it. Not that we would have done anything any differently 
But before you and I were even born, society was corrupt and America was in a mess. In 1963, prayer was removed from the schools. In the 60s and 70s, there was the free love movement, which promoted adultery and devalued marriage and commitments. In 1973, abortion was legalized. In 1980, the Supreme Court ruled that hanging the Ten Commandments in a public school was unconstitutional. All that took place before you and I were born. And we, like Hezekiah, inherited a mess. We inherited a tragedy, a problem. And we could stand back and say, I didn't do that. I had nothing to do with that. That was generations previous. And, and this is just how it is in America. But just as Hezekiah said, don't be negligent. It's time for you to care. It's time for you to stand up and make a difference. It's time for you, rather than Ahaz did, kick God out and be okay with it. It's time for you to pursue God, to correct the problems. So we see the tragedy of Israel. And now secondly, we see the testimony of Hezekiah. The testimony of Hezekiah. The Bible says, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. When you know you're supposed to do something, when you know God wants you to take a stand and you don't, that is sin, that is negligence. And Hezekiah comes to the throne and right off the bat he decides that he's going to do some things differently. And we can learn a few things from Hezekiah's life as he pursued God. If you're going to pursue God as Hezekiah did, first of all, you're going to have to remember God. Remember God. Hezekiah came to the throne and says, He in the first year of his reign, in the first month, opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. He didn't delay. He, he could have taken a few years uh, to see how uh, life as a king would go and, and, and then pursue God. But no, immediately he pursues God. He remembered God. He trusted God, the Bible says in, in first, or 2 Kings 18. He remembered God. He obeyed God. He, he claved to God, the Bible said. That means he pursued God. His dad says, get out of here. Hezekiah says, come back. He pursued God. Somewhere, Hezekiah learned the truth. Hezekiah's name means Jehovah strengthened. His mom's name means, uh, Ab, uh, Abijah means Jehovah is my father. A lot of people believe that Hezekiah had an understanding of the Lord because his mom taught, taught him. And let me tell you this. We, we, every year at this conference, there's a, there's a meeting for pastor's kids. And if you're a missionary's kid, you might get this scholarship and this and that. And don't think you're at any disadvantage if you didn't grow up in a Christian home. Because somebody cares for you. By the fact that you're here at this conference, somebody cares for you. And for you to use an excuse, well, it's difficult in my home. And it's, it's hard, and, and I don't come from a pastor's home, and I don't come uh, 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 from a, an easy lifestyle. To, for you to use that excuse is negligence. Let me tell you, if growing up in a pastor's home, it's not always that easy as well. I got my, pa my dad, he's my pastor, he's my dad, um, he's president of the college that I go to. And uh, sometimes he'll come home and I'll be like, hey, dad. I remember I was a little kid. My dad came home from a trip. I'm like, hey, dad. And he's like, he shook my, he took his hand and, and he stuck it out like this. And he shook my hand. He's like, hey, brother. And he patted me. I'm like, brother. I'm like eight years old. I'm like, dad, it's me, Larry. You know, <laughs> pastor's home isn't always what it, what it, uh, the greatness it seems to be. But listen, Hezekiah could have used that as an excuse. I didn't grow up in a pastor's home. 
I didn't have a good situation. Some of you guys who come from broken homes, terrible situations that I can't even imagine, as awful as that is, it's not an excuse to turn your back on God. Don't be negligent. Take a stand. So he remembered God. The Bible says he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. It's interesting to me that Ahaz did evil in the sight of the Lord. Hezekiah did right in the sight of the Lord. But here's the key. God is always watching. And rather than live for the approval of your youth pastor and your pastors and your parents and your friends, live for the audience of one, the approval of one. And right off the bat, Hezekiah said, I am going to remember God. If you're going to pursue God, you're going to have to remember God. Remember God. Then what did he do next? He removed the idols. You have to remove the idols. You don't have to turn there. Let me read 2 Kings 18. This tells what Hezekiah did when he came to reign. It says he removed the high places and he broke the images. He broke down the images and cut down the groves and he broke into pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For under those days, the children of Israel did burn incense unto it and called it Nehushtan. Now, the temple was the appropriate place to worship. Ahaz closed that down and built these high places, these other places of worship. And five religious activities occurred at these high places. First of all, animal sacrifices, then prostitution. They burnt incense. Uh, They had children burned through fire and human sacrifices. Uh, It was a terrible pagan place. And so Ahaz, part of his replacing God was to build these high places. And when Hezekiah came, he removed them, the Bible says. He removed the high places. If we're going to experience God's presence in our life, there's some things that we are going to have to remove. We're going to have to uproot some things in our life if we're going to experience God's presence. So he removed the idols. He removed the groves. He removed the graven images. And I can only guess that this was not a popular decision. Uh, people liked their idols. Uh, they, they, they found pleasure in their idols. They found pleasure in these high places. It was a popular thing to do. And Hezekiah came and he removed them and he broke the images and he restored true worship. He removed the idols. I think of, I think of the, uh, the brazen serpent that's mentioned here. You guys remember the story of the brazen serpent? Children of Israel, they're complaining. So what does God do? God sends fiery serpents uh, to judge them for their complaining. And then, but what he does is, as a picture of salvation, uh, there's a brazen serpent that was made. And anyone who would just look to the cross with a serpent on it uh, would experience life and would experience salvation. And this was a great miracle. This was a spiritual Victory, so to speak, that, that God had, had provided salvation. You guys remember that story of Moses and the brazen serpent? Well, this is 750 years later, and they've still got this brazen serpent around. Except for now, it's not, it's not a remembrance. It's not like a decision card to help them remember a decision. They've turned this brazen serpent into an idol. They begin to worship this serpent. In fact, they name it, Nehushtan, what a great name for an idol. They name the serpent and they start to worship it. If we're going to experience God's presence and power in our life, we're going to have to remove the idols. And look, we all have idols. And idols, anything that takes higher priority than your relationship with God. And let me tell you this, even a good thing can become an idol. Here is a spiritual victory that became an idol. 
Some of you have let a spiritual victory become an idol. I made that decision when I was in seventh grade. And you haven't walked with God since, but you made that decision. And you've let that victory become an idol. And you haven't walked with God as you should. A good thing, when a good thing becomes a God thing, it's an idol. It's bad. And so he, he broke down the brazen serpent. He removed the idols. Then he repaired the temple. If we're going to experience God's presence, you have to repair the temple. He said to the Levites in verse number five, sanctify yourselves and sanctify the house of the Lord, God of your fathers, and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. Our hearts left to themselves are filthy. God wants to create in us a, a clean heart. The Bible talks about how uh, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God? And ye are not your own, for ye are bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. If we're going to experience God's presence, there's some things that we're going to have to remove from our life. And there's some repairs that need to make, be made uh, in our lives. And so here Hezekiah comes to the throne. He says, we are going to worship God. We are going to restore a high view of God. We're going to worship God as he was meant to be worshipped. And so he repaired the temple. Then he re- restored worship. He, he restored worship. He must restore true worship. Israel had neglected for many years the Passover. This was, this was the most important Old Testament feast. And, and so when Hezekiah comes to reign, one of the first things he did, did was he, he told the people, we're going to have the Passover again. We're inviting, Ahaz kicked God's presence out. We're going to invite God's presence back. And so he restored true worship. And, and, and what he did, we don't have the time to develop all the things he did, but he sent out, the next chapter you can read, that he sent out the decree. He said, we're going to worship God. We're going to return to God. And he says, and God is gracious. God loves us. And God's going to come back. And so he sent out this decree on post, and he, he posted it uh, throughout the nation. And you know what the Bible says the response was? So they, they, they mocked him to scorn. They laughed at him. When you take a stand for God, when you restore true worship, you're going to be mocked for it. You can expect that, but are you going to let that stop you? Restore true worship and then rebel against evil. If you're going to take a stand as Hezekiah did, you have to rebel against evil. Second Kings 18 talks about Hezekiah. It says, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria and served him not. The Bible commanded the children of Israel not to make leagues or agreements with the nations, the pagan nations that surrounded them, because now you're entitled to them. That's exactly uh, what Ahaz did. He made a league with Assyria. Now uh, many of their people were captive, and now they were entitled to this wickedness. Reject the idols. Rebel against evil. Uh, Rebel against... you You know what? Society's expectation of you is very low. Rather than rebel against your parents, rather than rebel against your youth pastor, your teachers, those who love you, why don't you rebel against the extremely low expectations of our society of what you can do? Rebel against evil. But then finally, uh, let's notice the transformation of God's presence. Let me tell you this, God came back. When they got things right, God came back and it changed things. It transformed things. 
when you take care of those idols in your life, when, when you return to true worship of God, when you put God in his rightful place, God transforms. You're going to frustrate yourself to no end trying to, to live up to a set of rules and trying to obey this and that. God wants to change you from the inside out, not to conform to a set of rules and regulations, uh, but to conform into his image. So we see the transformation of God's presence. So they make the changes. Uh, they repair the temple. They, re, they re, uh, eject the, the evil. And the Bible says in 2 Kings verse 7, I'll read it to you, and the Lord was with him and prospered, and he prospered whithersoever he went. There's only a few people in the Bible that have said this exact phrase, the Lord was with him. I don't know about you, I want God on my side. I want God to be with me because you plus God is the majority. And you may not have any friends and you may not be popular for your stand for God, but God wants to be with you. And nothing better could be said of Hezekiah than that the Lord was with him. And when the Lord was with him, God's presence brings peace. Hezekiah learned that God's presence brings peace. Said that the Lord hearkened to Hezekiah. So Hezekiah, Ahaz rejects God. Hezekiah pursues God. God hearkens to him. God hears him. Look, God's not going to leave you hanging. When you make these changes and you pursue God, you're going to find God. Acts 17 talks about how uh, God is not very far from us. When he's not near, it's not because he left. It's because you left him. The Bible says that God is for us, but oftentimes the problem is that we're not for him. And God is right there waiting and willing to be invited back. And so God's presence brought peace. And, and, and we don't have the time to develop how terrible of a situation was, how they were surrounded by evil. But look, God provided safety for them. God provided peace. God's presence brings peace. Exodus 30, 14 tells us. Not only does it bring peace, God's presence brings joy. It's funny that even our Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, and what? Pursuit of happiness. Your life, liberty, guarantee you happiness. You're on your own. And most people pursue happiness. They end up finding sin, and they find nothing, nothing to do with happiness. When you pursue God's will, you find joy. Even, look, Hezekiah, he makes these changes He's mocked. They mocked him to scorn. They laughed at him. But then you read, they had the Passover. God showed up. God's presence was real. And you finish reading the chapter and the next chapter, and you read over again and over again that they uh, were filled with joy and they rejoiced because of God's presence. They rejoiced because God was with them. There was great joy in Jerusalem, the Bible says. And then God's presence brings blessings. God's presence brings blessings. Read one final verse to you, 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 5. It says this, Hezekiah, he trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. Hezekiah stood out, and he stood out for God. Look, there's no greater blessing and no greater privileged than to be used of God. That's the greatest blessing in life. To serve God. You know why? Because that is what we were created to do. Until we do that, we, we, we've not fulfilled 
uh, God's purpose for our lives. And so when they return to true worship, God's presence comes back. They have joy, they have peace, and they have blessing. When you pursue God, when you live for God, God blesses you. Yeah, hey, you might not be the wealthiest person uh, as you pursue your career. And you may not have the nicest toys and technology. But if you've got God and you've got God's blessing and you've got God with you, there's no greater blessing. Let me tell you guys, we inherited a problem. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to stand up and make a difference? Are you going to use an excuse? Uh, I don't come from a Christian home. It's too difficult. I might get mocked. I might get scorned. Or are you going to pursue God? When you do that, God comes back and you experience His presence and there's no greater blessing in life. Thank you for listening to this Student Ministry 127 podcast. For more sermon resources, visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. And for information about West Coast Baptist College, visit wcbc.edu.